You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Ty, and Night's Tale, the movie from 2001, is my perfect 10. Hello and welcome back to Perfect 10. I am your host, Michael Cohen. Uh, and uh, hey, we're going to we're going to switch things up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to try something new here. Um, still sort of figuring out the format. Still a new show. This is only what our fourth episode, right? So I, I, I figured rather than force my uh, wonderful guests to sit through me giving you guys the whole um sort of patreon rigmarole i i the the this the state of the union type stuff that i may want to talk to you guys about you the listeners uh each week i figured that i would record a separate intro after the fact i i this is a this is a, this is a common thing amongst interview style podcasts which this is not really interview style per se but it's also not not interview stuff um being that you know i'm the host and it's it's just me sort of uh teeing up the guest to talk about their perfect 10 so yeah so we're gonna try this i'm, I'm gonna try and do these uh solo intros after the fact uh and uh and we'll see how it goes we'll 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 see what that ends up sounding like looking like is what i was gonna say but i guess it's more sounding like um and let's let's kick it right off. First off, we have a an excellent guest on the podcast uh, for this episode. Uh, we have Ty Black from Wit and Folly, and uh, she is going to talk about a Knight's Tale, and uh, it's a it's a it's an awesome conversation. Uh, we go into um uh you know a lot a lot of the Chaucer uh inspiration and uh, sort of the source material and and talk a lot about why a movie like this stands the test of time over over other uh films that have have common elements with it but but that that haven't really managed to to land in the way that a knight's tale does so it's 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 a really really good conversation i hope you guys enjoy it um but before we get into that i do want to talk to you guys about a few uh pieces of housekeeping a few a few little notes uh a, 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 a couple a couple little a couple little uh, uh extra bits here it is october october is uh halloween the, the whole month. The whole month is Halloween. It's not just a day. Listen, the world outside, it's awful and terrible and scary and full of things that want to hurt and kill us all. So uh, the least we could do is just extend the fun that is Halloween into the entire month of October. With that in mind, for you guys, I want to put together a special episode this month on top of this episode, on top of the one that you're listening to right now, that will be a, a, a special release dedicated to all of your Halloween perfect tens. Um, so what I need from you, the listener, this is the most important part. What I need from you guys 
is for you to email me uh, at thunderquacknetwork at gmail.com and, uh, and let me know what is your Halloween Perfect Ten. Uh, I'll let you guys know right now mine uh, for this for this conversation specifically is Ernest Scared Stupid. Uh, it was a tradition in my house for a very long time. <laughs> we would watch Ernest Scared Stupid every year at Halloween. Sometimes we'd watch it even when it wasn't Halloween. My brother Chris and I uh, I loved the the Ernest movies uh, when I was a, a kid, and uh, and I'll be honest, I still do. I still think that they're fantastic. Uh, Jim Varney, brilliant comedian. Uh, th- that that's mine. I'll get into the detail of it and I'll, I'll I'll expound on that when I do that actual episode. But I really need you guys, uh, you all, to to write in and let me know what's your perfect ten and why. Uh, and if you got a fun fact to throw in there, throw it in. Um, something maybe we don't know about that that uh, perfect ten of yours. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then, and then I will basically, I will put together the episode. I will, I will read all of your guys's emails and, and, uh, and discuss and, uh, add, add my two cents. If, if I've got two cents to add, if you want to send in an audio clip, you can also do that. Um, that would be really cool. And then it's like, you get to be on the podcast, I suppose, in a certain manner of speaking. Uh, and yeah. I don't know. I think that could be fun. I think we'll, we'll do the, the Halloween one. I think in December we'll have a good opportunity to do a Christmas one. Uh, if, if this goes well and everybody likes it and yeah. And, and I think that we'll have other, other good reasons, other good excuses. You know, May is a good opportunity for everybody to write in about their star Wars. Perfect 10, right. For May the 4th. So, uh, we'll cut, co- I'll, I'll come up with a whole, a whole schedule of, of all of these sort of monthly, uh, uh additional episodes, but here's the other here's the other thing that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, since Thunderquack ended and everything has changed over, we've got the new podcast. Obviously, Perfect Ten is a new show. It's being put out on the Thunderquack feed right now. So anybody who's currently subscribed to Thunderquack, you're still listening. Thank you so much for sticking around. Um, those numbers continue to be decent. They can always be better, you know. But they're de- they are decent. They are good. They have remained fairly steady. Uh, from from what they were when Amanda and I were producing the podcast on a regular basis. So I thank you to everybody who has stuck around. But the Patreon setup has changed a lot, and um and so there's been a bit of a there's been a bit of an ebb in in Patreon support. It's a, it's 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 not down a lot, but it is down noticeably. And so um, I've been thinking a lot about you know like what can I do in order to. Uh, to entice people to, to support on Patreon. I hope that the rewards are good. If they're, if, if the reason why you've never supported on Patreon is that the rewards just aren't interesting, let me know that. Give me that feedback. Um, you know, just hit me up on social media or like, just send me a DM or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be a public thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, if it's something that you've like thought about, but it's not really like, like the rewards aren't really there. Or if you, if you, um, supported in the past, but you stopped because we stopped doing something that we used to do. I was looking back at old stuff and going like, oh, we used to do a bunch of different things. If you have a suggestion for something that we could do, uh, then, then you know, uh, uh, let her rip. Let me know. Uh, send me a message. Uh, I'm, I'm open to that feedback um, and actually very interested in it. But here's something that I hope those of you listening who haven't supported yet will take as a good motivator. Um, and that is 
if we can get back up to 250 a month, um, then I will start doing an episode every two weeks. I, I and, and that, that like that'll be. It, it, I'm going to try and do a guest episode every two weeks. That might not work out because getting guests can be a little bit tricky and, and, and scheduling and stuff like that in, in the, I, uh, uh, in the event that it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do something like that. If we, if we hit this 250 mark on Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderquack. If, if we, if we hit that 250 mark and I start doing this and it turns out that every once in a while, you know, I can't get two guests in succession like that, that quickly. You know, I'll put out I'll put out special episodes. We'll do we'll do uh, like the Halloween one and stuff like that. Um, but I'm hoping to actually do the episode like a guest every two weeks, and then still even maybe put out those special episodes because those aren't as difficult to produce as long as you guys email me. As long as I get about ten emails, ten messages from you guys, I I with stuff to talk about. That's a full episode, right? So that's easy because it's just worrying about me. I just have to schedule my own time. But yeah, I, here's the thing. I am loving doing this podcast. Uh, the Laura Olympus podcast with Marie Claire was such a good time. This one that you're about to listen to with Ty is so good. And I had so much fun talking to her about this. Um, obviously, you know, talking to Joe about Ghostbusters, talking to Tyler about Transformers. Uh, I This is, I think... Like the inevitability of what Thunderquack, you know, after we stopped doing Quiver and we moved into Thunderquack and it was like sort of the topic of the week. This is sort of the direction that I always wanted to go. Amanda wasn't necessarily always uh, up to speed on what I wanted to talk about or uh, or 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 down to, to get into it. Um, uh, and so sometimes it, it felt like I was just kind of spinning wheels by myself. And then sometimes Amanda would bring something and it wouldn't really be something that, that I had a lot to say about. I mean, you guys know I always have a lot to say about everything. But, but um, you know, that kind of cut both ways, right? I, I And so, you know, we'd have great episodes and then we'd have kind of eh episodes. Uh, it kind of go up and down, but it never really, we never really found that rhythm. And so... When Amanda stepped away and I started doing this, it was like, okay, how do I want to do this? How do I how do I want to continue doing essentially what I've been doing with Thunderquack, but but without a regular co-host? And Perfect Ten came out of that, right? And then the great thing about this is that I don't come up with the topic, right? I go to the guest. I I find people that I love to talk to, people who I think have something interesting valuable important to say about uh geeky stuff and i say to them what do you want to talk about i have a list of a mile long of perfect tens that i could talk about right and i think you guys know what most of them are um uh but i uh, but i've got off the record for that our patreon exclusive podcast at the five dollar level go support and get that but the great thing is that i don't know that i ever would have done an off the record about a knight's tale Right. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily something that I would have gotten into, but because I went to Ty and I said, hey, what's you know, what are some suggestions of things you'd want to do? Throw some stuff out there and we'll pick one and, and, and we'll go. And she threw out a couple and the night's tale popped out. And I was like, heck, yeah, man, uh, what, what, a, what a perfect movie to talk about on this podcast. Uh, you know, what? I'll be honest. I actually did go to, to Marie Claire and say, hey, I want to do a Laura Olympus 
podcast with you and she was like yeah for sure um but we have other stuff that that we've also talked about doing so yeah but that but that was one where i did kind of i did kind of pitch that with the concept with the actual topic uh that's just because i started reading lore olympus and was like i want to talk about this let me know when and she was like now and so we did it it, it kind of came together quicker than i expected but um but yeah with tyler like i said to tyler here's the concept and he came up with the transformers the movie the soundtrack uh and uh, and obviously with joe like the first thing that came out of his mouth was ghostbusters and uh and i was like yeah obviously um so you know it's but the joy has been in sitting down and talking with somebody about something that they love like that's the default setting on this podcast there's no oh we got to talk about arrow this week oh we got to do this we got to do that nope it's hey what is something that you love unequivocally like what is something that you are not ashamed of that uh, that you will basically uh shout from the rooftop that you love uh and uh and so i'm just having a really good time with it and and with that in mind i'd love to do more episodes i think that i think that that pace of every two weeks is something that i could maintain every week would be tough for at this at this juncture but um every two weeks i think is doable and so yeah if we can get there if we can get the patreon up to 250 a month i i I think it's sitting at about 170 right now so we really don't have that far to go um and and if if everybody listening to this that listens regularly went over to patreon and chipped in a buck we'd get there in no time um and a dollar gets you the episode early it gets you the episode on tuesdays so instead of waiting for friday um and really i'll be honest i'll be honest because i'm sitting here at 8 30 at night on a monday night talking to you guys about it most of the time they go up monday around midnight that's that's actually the case and that's not like me like going like oh uh, that's technically tuesday that's literally usually when like especially if i've recorded on the monday i record it and then i edit it and then i put it out this one it's only 8 30 i'm just about done this intro with you guys and then i will get into the actual episode this one will probably be up by like 9 30 10 o'clock <laughs> so on the monday night so really you, sometimes you maybe even get it monday and not tuesday so i uh, and that's because ty and i recorded on the weekend and then i'm just doing the intro right now so i just have to edit put it together post it um shouldn't take me too long at all so yeah the the dollar gets you that five dollars gets you access to off the record and uh ten dollars a month gets you the uh the perfect 10 pop quiz which is a very brief it's a very short podcast but uh it's fantastic it's so good tim is doing such a great job with those um i i i am so grateful so thankful because it was all his idea he wanted to do it um i uh, uh, and uh, and came to me and said hey I'll, I'll do this and he's not asking for anything in return he just wants to be a part of things which is um always the best compliment that i get paid uh when when i do this stuff i i you know is 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 when you guys the listeners are like hey i want to i want to play in the sandbox as well right so um that's there at the at the the ten dollar level so good so much fun uh every every episode of perfect 10 comes with an episode of the perfect 10 pop quiz um so like that so 
on Patreon, the regular episode goes up early around Tuesday, usually usually uh, before Tuesday, and then uh, and then it goes wide release on Friday. And it was like, oh well, the wide release on Friday, but what about the Patreon people? Uh, like that's so that's why now the the pop quiz also comes out Friday. And uh, yeah, so so you guys have something for the Friday as well. Uh, uh, so if you're a Patreon supporter at ten bucks, you get you get those too. And that's the thing. Here's the thing: if we go every two weeks, if you're at the ten dollar level, you're gonna get two pop quizzes as well because you need a pop quiz for every episode. So I uh, yeah, I mean like that's I, that I think that that's a, that's an added bonus right there. So um, I'm just gonna put that out there, guys patreon.com slash thunderquack i i obviously you know everybody's financial situation is uh tight at the moment i get that mine isn't exactly uh, uh crazy uh, fluid uh, either you know um we, we all have responsibilities and uh and and uh well, the economy doesn't seem to be getting any better so i totally understand if you can only uh, i i you know support us by listening if that's the case uh then do me a favor head over to whatever podcast service you're on leave a rating and review here's the other thing that would be so so helpful tell a friend share the podcast with them let them know about it and here's another bit if there's somebody you'd like to be on perfect 10 let me know and the best way to do that is through social media by tagging me at arkwolf a-r-k-w-u-l-f right uh and at thunderquackpod uh i on twitter uh and then tag the person that you want to come on the podcast so maybe they have their own podcast maybe they they're a youtuber you know maybe maybe they're just somebody with an awesome twitter account that uh that has insightful cool things to say i'm not going to judge if you think somebody would be a good guest for Perfect Ten, let me know. I have tons of guests lined up. I have like, I got like about a dozen friends and people that that I would love to podcast with. That uh, uh, that that are all sort of waiting in the wings and and uh, and and so like I can schedule uh, for the next few months. But if you've got suggestions, let me know. Let me know and uh, and and. Uh, we'll try and figure that out but that's it that's 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 my whole that's my whole plea for more money um and just just for transparency's sake that money does not come to me that money goes into uh it goes from patreon into a paypal and then that paypal is basically hooked up to to most of the things that we need to to run the podcast there's a couple of things that i then have to use a credit card for and then reimburse and all that sort of thing but but quite literally i don't take a penny of it um none of none of the other podcast hosts take a penny of it it is uh literally just to support the network uh so this podcast force perspectives epic marvel podcast the riverdale gang uh saga continues um right it's like that's 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 where that money goes so i uh, so your support is i uh, uh, is well used and and uh, you can rest assured that it goes to a good place um <clears throat> which is just continuing to create the podcast that you guys are enjoying so 
Um, yeah, I would love to go to, to every two weeks. The only way that I can justify that is if we hit that 250 mark, um, uh, cause that shows me that there's support and that you guys want, uh, uh, the podcast every two weeks. Um, uh, that's the best indicator, honestly. So head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack. Like I said, if everybody just kicks in a buck, uh, we'll get there in no time. And then, and then and then I have to hold up my end of the bargain. So, um, hold me to it. I, I force me to, to hold up my end of the deal and, uh, and, and head over there and support us. And thank you, of course, to everyone who does. Um, we wouldn't be at this point, uh, still continuing to podcast, uh, in the way that, that, that we all do on the network, if it weren't for the support of, of our wonderful patrons over on patreon.com slash thunderquack. Um, and the other thing that I'll throw out there is we have a Discord. If you go to our Twitter, ThunderQuackPod, uh, on on Twitter, you can find the link to our Discord, and uh, and and you can come hang out with us on there. It's a great community. We have some great conversations going. We used to be active on the Facebook group, but I think everybody's kind of migrated over to Discord now because Facebook is kind of eh. Um, and the great thing about Discord is that it's just the community. None of, you don't have to wade through your uh, your crazy ants uh, mega ramblings uh, uh, on Facebook. That you know, it's like, uh, should I should I unfriend my aunt? I I don't know if I can do that. I just, I'm not. I don't literally have an aunt that's saying mega stuff, but uh, but I th- I think that that's a relatable uh, uh, thing on Facebook. You know, uh, all the old people have all found it. Um, it's no fun anymore. So we, we kind of left. And also, like, let's not give Mark Zuckerberg any more money. Uh, uh, so let's all go over to Discord and hang out there and chat there. Um, uh, in uh, It's kind of, I mean, like, to me, Discord is kind of like having a private Twitter. Uh, like a private Twitter community. Um, just with all the cool people that I want to talk to and that want to talk about the cool stuff that I want to talk about. So head over there uh, and, uh, and, and hang out with us. Um, actually, you know, hey, you don't need to go to the, the Twitter. What am I talking about? I set up a URL redirect. Go to thunderquack.com slash discord. It's on the end of every episode, right? So, uh, yeah, thunderquack.com slash discord, and that'll take you over to the link to, to join our server, and you can come hang out with us over there. Without much more ado, uh, let me just really quickly set up the, our guest. I talked a little bit about her at the very beginning. We've got Ty Black on the on the podcast, uh, an amazing uh, uh, YouTube video essayist, um, and one of my absolute favorite people to talk to about uh, about myth and storytelling. And uh, uh, she has some phenomenal Star Wars videos, just amazing stuff. The uh, TLJ era um, goodness. And, uh, and, and as well as other stuff, stuff that's not about Star Wars that is equally, um, as, as interesting and wonderful. I mean, like, this is the thing about Ty, even if you're not into the thing that she is talking about on a, on a given, uh, video on her YouTube channel, Wit and Folly, uh, it doesn't really matter because her passion for, uh, whatever, whatever that property is, whatever that IP is. Um, as well as just her general passion for storytelling, for uh, for uh, myth and and uh, meta commentary and, and all of that stuff, 
uh, it just comes through in everything that she does. And uh, I, I mean, I, it, it is, it is the greatest uh, compliment uh, the most flattering uh, compliment that I could receive that Ty is willing to come and hang out with me on my silly podcasts uh, and talk about this stuff. Um, I, am, I am so grateful uh, to have her on this episode. And I hope that you guys also really, really enjoy this, uh, this chat, this conversation about a knight's tale. So again, as as uh, as as Paul Bettany's Chaucer would say, without uh, uh, any more ado whatsoever, here is uh, my conversation with Ty Black about a Knight's Tale. Okay, let's uh, let's get into it. I I uh, we have a, a guest that I am super super excited to have on the podcast. I, I and I, it's so funny. This podcast we haven't really been doing it for that long. I say we, it's me, but I, <laughs> I the royal we, I guess. I and I, I I you know I I I have I as with any of these things I have like these lists of like oh these are like the people that I want to get on for sure at some point. Um and uh, and my guest for this episode is i don't i don't i don't want to i don't want to put too much pressure on her but uh, uh at the top of the list uh when i came up with the concept i was like this is going to be perfect if 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 ty wants to come on it's going to be so good it'll be so perfect and then i reached out and uh and and you you were instantly into it so ty thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for being on perfect 10 yeah, of course, of course. I, I mean, I love talking about things that I love, obviously. Um, so yeah, to get the chance to do that. And I think you came to me with like a kind of a blank slate of what do you yeah. want to talk about? And we kind of went back and forth on some things. And I love that we landed on a night's tale because this is such a fun one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, the, there, there's an interesting thing that's happening with this podcast. And it's so funny because I've also got forced perspectives, which I launched at the same time and is essentially the same concept, but just focused on Star Wars. That yeah. one, I'm having such a hard time, like, like, like really getting people to like understand conceptually what the podcast is and, and, and to line up guests and stuff like that. Not like, a, not like, like arduously difficult, but just like it's, there's a little bit more effort there. But mm -hmm. then whenever I talk to somebody about Perfect 10 and I pitch it, it's exactly what you said. It's like, hey, do you want to come on a podcast and just talk about something that you love, whatever <laughs> you want? And, and everybody that I've talked to, I mean, like I have perfect 10 scheduled out until the new year um, oh, wow. with, with guests. Right. Yeah. And to the point that like, uh, when Marie Claire was like, uh, uh, like at the end of August was like, Oh, Hey, like I'm, I've got time in September to do a podcast. It was like, okay, cool. We'll do two episodes this, this month, even though we're only supposed to do one every four weeks. Like that was sort of the original schedule, mm -hmm. but it's kind of, it's getting to that point where like, I've got people who are like, oh yeah, I totally want to do this. I totally want to talk about that. Um, and it's, it's, it's starting like, I'm like, okay, should I actually be doing this every two weeks? Probably. Um, <laughs> should I be doing forced perspectives at all? Or should I just put all my eggs in this basket? It's, it's a funny thing. Cause, yeah. cause yeah, like, like you threw out a couple of options, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, A Knight's Tale is perfect. It's perfect mm -hmm. for this format because it's mm -hmm. just like 
it's essentially like like an excuse to go watch a movie that we love yeah. uh, and then and then just have a fun conversation about it right oh yeah um, for sure which i which yeah i think i think both the 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 guests and the the listeners are having a fun time with that but i would say at this point the guests are having the most fun with it <laughs> which which is awesome because for me as the host I get to sit back. I mean, like if people go back and they listen to the Laura Olympus one, which I think is maybe a little bit tough because that's such a niche. Um, I like, like, yeah. I, I mean, as we discovered in that episode, there's a lot more people li- uh, reading Laura Olympus than you might imagine. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but it is kind of at this point still a little bit of like an underground thing. Yeah. Um, that's building some steam. So it's like people might not have gone back and listened to it, but if they do, um, I don't talk very much. I kind of do my intro <laughs> and then I, then I just kind of let Marie Claire do her thing. And, and um, there's a couple of points in the episode. It's so funny guys share this with you. Cause, cause mm-hmm. I, cause I think you'll understand. I, yes. <laughs> I, she, 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 it's like for me, anytime I'm talking to, to MC, like when we were hanging out at celebration, it would do podcasts and stuff together, whatever, even when we're just talking like DMS on, on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it's like talking to like your favorite teacher in a way, <laughs> because 100%. you're like, I'm always, I'm always like, Oh, I got to impress MC. I got to impress her. I got to, I got to <laughs> say something smart. I got to say something insightful. And, and there's a couple of points in the podcast where she's like, she's going and she's like deep into this myth stuff. And, uh, and, and she's prepared so much and she knows it so well. Mm-hmm. And then she stops and she asks something that might be a rhetorical question, but yeah. that is, but that I'm like, I'm like, Oh, do you, do you, like, I literally say at one point, Oh, did you want me to answer that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I don't like, please just tell me like, just, just, I'm just here to absorb. I'm just here to learn. Yeah, um, I've, I've done that with her for a few times too. Like as much as, <laughs> you know, I have some, you know, I study this stuff a little bit too, and she's got, you know, a little bit more on me in that area but you know she does that to me sometimes too when we pair up and she's like you know uh well well she'll ask a question and it's very like it's this it's like leading up to something big and you know it's coming and then she asks me a question I'm like don't no just tell me yeah (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, because my answer my answer might not be on the same wavelength right but you're clearly like you've got you have an answer to this question so I want I just want to know what it is because because her insight is always so good so yeah, 100%. that's like that's kind of been for me the joy of this podcast. Yeah, um, we haven't even done that many episodes yet, but it's already one of my favorite things that I've ever done. Um, I love it. It's great. I, yeah. And I've been looking forward to this one so much because I love A Knight's Tale. I mm-hmm. I um I took English literature in grade 12 uh, and uh, and and we did the whole Canterbury Tales uh, Chaucer thing. Yep. And uh, and 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 I loved it. I, I, and so like, I, I get it. Like I'm in on the joke in this movie, but like, I'm not, I'm not as well versed as, as you guys are in, in, you know, like sort of the myth and the, the like sort of, um, Mm -hmm. obviously like the Campbellian stuff, which I think is your, is, is your specific wheelhouse. Right. Totally. Um, Yeah. And I think it's important to say that like no one has to be well versed in this in terms of like like you don't have to get on a podcast and talk about it, but you can feel it, right? Like if you watch a night's tale, like you know it's you know something is digging like into your psyche. If you really like it, because this movie did not get like the best reviews (laughs) critically, right? Yeah. 
but for some people it just works and you don't necessarily need to be able to verse that in a in a, like an educational way yeah uh i just like to do that i just like to get yeah. into kind of the little the little nuances and where it all comes from and all of that so so yeah you don't have like that was also to say like you know it's just something that i do as a hobby i guess is to like dig into it to this level it's not yeah. necessary <laughs> yeah 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 no for sure it's like this this is and that i think is one of the great things about this movie is that yeah. like you can enjoy it on a surface level but then if you if you do want to sort of dig into um some some of the the obviously like the literary influences and stuff like that yeah um, it's all there but uh yeah but yeah, it, but it's not necessary, right? It's also exactly. just a fun movie. Exactly. Um, yep. Totally. Cool. Let's 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 take a step back. Yeah. I want I want you to do as I ask everybody at the beginning of these episodes. Sometimes it needs it. Laura Olympus definitely needed a, a primer so that people could understand what Laura Olympus was before we got into that. Yeah. When we talked about Transformers the movie, I think that that was a little bit more absurd to be explaining what the Transformers are. I think <laughs> I think a Knight's Tale fits somewhere in the middle. So. I, can you can you give us sort of the 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 I, I guess like the primer is, is yeah. the way that I would describe it on what a knight's tale is. Yeah, yeah, I can totally explain it. So a knight's tale is a medieval adventure comedy drama um, that it's a movie that was released in two thousand and one before nine eleven. I always like to say that because mm. I think a lot changed uh, post nine eleven in the entertainment industry. So this was released in two thousand and one in May, and it's had all of the right components kind of just that clicked into place, even mm -hmm. though it was written, directed, uh, and created by one person. He pulled in a team of people and they legitimately made magic. Uh, it did not have a good critical reception, as I kind of alluded to earlier, but it does have a cult following. But it also, not just a cult following, but it also has like instant rewatchability if you just casually enjoyed it. And I think that's what a lot of people recognize for this movie is that it's a good movie to put on in the background. It's a good movie to like show your kids. It's a good movie just to like rewatch. And mm -hmm. as you rewatch, you catch things and you're like, wait a minute, this is, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have anything like this anymore. Uh, but the story generally, it follows William Thatcher, who's a squire, who's serving a knight uh, since he was a child for, I think, 12 years. And the the knight dies one day. And in order to keep their livelihoods going, in order to feed themselves, essentially, William has this brilliant idea to pose as the knight and starts kind of getting involved in the jousting with the other two squires that are his friends. Um, and they just pretend. And on this journey towards like riches and fame he falls in love and he learns to become, or he learns not, I, I don't want to say learns because I think he always was a true knight, but he does become a true knight both within his soul and on paper. So it's kind of this, it's really interesting because it's a classic tale, but they use the anachronisms like, a, like the, the, it's not like time period. Correct. They use <laughs> yeah. different music and they use, different little things like they'll wear different kinds of makeup and they style their hair differently and they make it modern. They make it interesting and they make it stylized. Um, but that speaks to the story because it's mm -hmm. a classic story 
that is telling us that it's not just about finding yourself. It's about kind of giving in to kind of the, you know, the, the zeal of life and the zeal of love. And it's not just about love. It's about finding your true self. So these things are constantly happening in the story. So, Mm -hmm. and I think we can dive into more of that um, as we talk about it more, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think you, you hit on something that, um, uh, I I think when I when I say perfect ten and 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 I'm pitching the idea to people, they instantly mm-hmm. get it. But it's but it's also at the same time very hard to put into words what what constitutes a perfect ten, right? Yeah. But I but I think that one of those defining characteristics is something that you touched on, which is that like instant rewatchability. Everything. Mm-hmm that um that that we've talked about so far on the show and the stuff that we've got coming up they're all uh movies franchises properties comics whatever they that have that quality to them of yeah. like like a, a a timelessness in a way yeah. of of like it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter what mood you're in it it's just like a perfect 10 is something that no matter what and it's subjective it's not everything mm-hmm. is everybody's going to agree on everything but but everybody does have those pieces of sort of like comfort media that mm-hmm. um that they go back to or I, uh, the, the younger kids aren't going to quite understand this one, but, uh, mm-hmm. but some of the older listeners might, um, you know, on a Saturday afternoon when you've got nothing else to do and it's raining outside and you're flipping channels and you just happen to come across a movie and it's 45 minutes in and it doesn't matter because yes. you've seen this movie 10 times already, you know, exactly where we are. And, uh, <laughs> and, and now this is what I'm doing with the rest of my afternoon. Right. Like, yep. and, and a night's tale, like it fits squarely into that for me. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think I saw it on TV uh, and I would catch it at different parts of the story many, many times before yeah. I actually sat down and watched the whole thing, um, you yeah. know, from beginning yeah. to end. And I loved it already. I thought it was hilarious what I had seen of it. But then when I watched it from the beginning to the end, I was like, okay, I cannot, watch it in pieces anymore i have to watch the whole thing so that's when i got the dvd and i've been kind of obsessed ever since i guess um i i guess the modern uh analogy to that would be like seeing clips of something like clipped out on on tiktok or instagram oh yeah and it's like and you're like i don't i've never watched any of this but that scene is hilarious right and (laughs) and then and then eventually you're like okay fine i'll I'll sit down and watch it and you watch it all the way through and you get that experience of like oh that's what the story is okay Mm -hmm. okay these are what the themes are it's not just a an amalgamation of funny scenes or like or like a great romantic scene or something like that but it's like oh you put all the pieces together shawshank redemption was that for me forever like i'd never watched (laughs) it from beginning to end because it was just one of those ones that's like on tbs on in the afternoon sort of thing yeah and you just catch like 15 minutes here or 45 minutes there um and i'd never seen it from the beginning so i didn't really understand who this who like the tim robbins character was uh, <laughs> even though i enjoyed the movie immensely and then you watch it from beginning to end and you're like oh my god this movie's a masterpiece right the whole the whole thing um, changes for you yeah it opens yeah. up the world opens up your mind it's yeah it's totally different perspective thing it's all that yeah, yeah. i mean if, if we were talking about star wars i'd bring up obi-wan kenobi in a certain point of view and all that but uh <laughs> yeah yeah for sure totally um, cool i I, so, so that's what a knight's tale is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so this is now the part where we kind of, we get into a little bit of the, the, um, 
it's not because it's not really like a commentary or a play by play, but more so just like like what 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 is it made up of? Right. And, yeah. And it's kind of like the, these come out kind of as, I guess, fun facts and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit more of like like what are the what are the it's almost like what are the alchemical components that go into making this a perfect 10 right oh um, i love that you said it that way <laughs> <laughs> we're in the medieval we're in that medieval uh sort of sort of vibe even though there's not really yeah. there's not magic per se in this but there is definitely some magic in this movie uh, there is a hundred percent magic in this movie yeah. Yeah. yeah there is something interesting i think to note if we want to talk about some of the actual movie making things because mm-hmm. i I like I said, I w- I'll go into some of the more we could talk about like the Chaucer stuff and like the symbolism and all of that, I guess, later. But um, some of the 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 stuff that was actually happening 2001 when it was released, something to note is that it was actually released in the same week as Moulin Rouge, hmm. um, which is really wacky to me because these are two movies that are probably in my top two. I would say like literally a knight's tale and moulin rouge are like my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. and, and just because they meant they did something for me because of mm-hmm. my age and where i was at and what i was interested in and they both include these you know period inaccuracies that fit the this aesthetic and this vibe you know like a knight's tale has like rock music 1970s kind of you know, rock and like easy rock. And then, you know, Moulin Rouge has like Elton John and Mm -hmm. more kind of 1980s, 1990s types of types of music. And they have a musical feel, like they feel kind of like you're watching a musical, but you're watching something that's supposed to be taking place at a different time period. Yeah. So it pulls you in in ways that I think other time period pieces just don't, especially when you're like, you know, when you're younger, when you're a youth. (laughs) So, so I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that like, just (laughs) this author, the writer of this, you know, did a lot of horror Mm -hmm. before writing this and they, you know, I never would have expected this. I think a lot of people have written about a night's tale in the, in the past and they all say the same thing they all say it shouldn't have worked and it should not have been as good as it was but something about the dialogue and a lot of the stuff was i think uh improvised to an extent Mm -hmm. a lot of the moments were improvised and that just it just made it it just made it perfect it made it like magic you know like i said earlier and that could also be (laughs) that could also be you know a young me idealizing this this media that i kind of grew up on but i i don't know like i still i look at it now with a critical eye and i go i i can't i love it i think it's great mm-hmm. so it's i i, th- I think one, one of the 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 main components for it all coming together is is that it just has um this incredible unbelievable cast I, I, I mean, cause you've got Heath Ledger sort of like right smack dab in the center of his rise. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got Paul Bettany who people don't really know yet, but you kind of (laughs) get this feeling of like, this guy's going to be something Mm -hmm. you got Mark Addy. I, I, who at this point it's like, he's done a few things, but you know, he's Mark Addy was one of those actors that like, he kind of, you knew who he was, but you didn't know his name sort of thing. Um, and Alan Tudyk 
in in I think one of like his first sort of standout roles that mm-hmm. that people took note of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you 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 put those actors together, and then you let them. Um, like come into those characters, embody them. And this is a, a, a great sitcoms that run for a long time do this mm-hmm. as well, where it's like you get your actors in there. And then once you've got the actors in, you actually start tweaking the characters to, to, to make them okay. match the performances a little bit more. Yep. And I think that like when you have that improv element a little bit, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can let everybody kind of fall into their bits. Right. So, so, you know, when you get Paul Bettany into that character to play Chaucer uh, and then you let Paul Bettany bring a little bit of his Paul Bettany in there, it's like, <laughs> like you, you get to elevate that, but that's a, that's, that's where like the collaborative aspect of filmmaking is at its best. Right. Is when oh, yeah. you're not too like the writer's not too beholden, the director's not too beholden and the actors mm-hmm. aren't sort of, you know, two up their own butts about whatever right like yeah and I think like so this is also coming off of when Heath Ledger had just done 10 things I hate about you mm. and he was seen as like this teen heartthrob and the studios were all looking at Heath Ledger wanting him to be the next like action adventure hero because you know women would love him women who already loved him and so mm-hmm. they would go to the theater to watch an action flick with him in it and of course action you know just does well with the male audience so they were thinking get him into a role where he is an action hero but he also has a, a love interest and it would just they knew that it was going to make him so much money but the funny thing about Heath Ledger is like he never was looking for that so yeah they were pushing him into this role and it was through the filming of the movie. It was. It was through. It was not the filming of the movie. Through the through the uh, kind of the the press junket stuff mm-hmm. after they filmed the movie that he started to realize what was going on and he started to really um, kind of shrink away from the fame and kind of go back into himself. And it's interesting because the movie itself, you know, the movie is shot before he. If you want to look at it like this, like it's before he like really rose to fame it's before Mm. he truly became you know the next it boy sort of thing so he doesn't have the pressures on him that he does in later roles and that i think that's really interesting and then on top of that like you said like you have all these other actors that are not necessarily known at the time but they're like oh i've seen that person in something else or whatever but you got them all together. And I think also another element of this is the fact that they were in, I think they filmed most of it in the Czech Republic. So they were away from home. Uh, Heath even lost a friend during the, during filming. I think he had like a, a friend who uh, overdosed or something. Some He had a death in his life essentially. And mm-hmm. he, had all of the cast around him at that time to really lean on. And that kind of made them, you know, become very close, very fast. So a lot of that is interesting. Another little tidbit that I thought was interesting was that I think Heath Ledger also got a tattoo during the filming of A Knight's Tale and the makeup, you know, makeup got really mad about it because they constantly had to cover it up, but it was a, it was like a, looked like a target and it had a center and then it had two rings around it. And, Alan or Alan or Paul, I think it was Paul asked him about it. And Heath was like, oh yeah, this is the, this is the universe. This is the world. And this is me. And mm-hmm. he was at the center. 
Um, so I think a lot of stuff was going on interestingly and he's like knowing that this was coming and like knowing that he was going to be like projected into this fame and he was kind of like holding on to people uh on that ride you know what i mean yeah so yeah that's where you get movie magic totally yeah it's there's a little bit of that summer camp vibe going on right like which with with location uh shoots like that where everybody's kind of isolated especially like you go somewhere like the czech republic where the majority of the cast doesn't speak the language exactly Uh, right there's and so you get your main cast ends up becoming very tight very close um and it and it shows up on screen right i i think the other the other aspect of this movie that that sometimes gets glossed over by people I, I, and, but that I always love to point out and talk about is the fact that it's a sports movie about <laughs> a sport that's not a sport, right? Like, ghosting <laughs> is not a thing that we would consider a sport by modern standard. But at the time, like, like, uh, that's, that's the idea, right? Yeah. And, it, and it follows the, the, you know, like the, 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 the crescendo sort of pattern of a sports movie um mm-hmm. it also does. like simultaneously having the romantic plot that follows mm-hmm. like sort of in parallel mm-hmm. um which is great always great i mean like like uh, anybody who's a fan of the movie the cutting edge knows that you put those two things together uh, <laughs> and uh, and and you've got gold right um, oh 100% yeah I, I mean on that one you also get enemies to lovers added in so you know like come on <laughs> that one's a perfect storm but yeah. i i yeah, like like it, the the sports movie aspect of this, like any other good sports movie, is is entirely reliant on that that chemistry mm-hmm. of your team, right? Mm-hmm. And with this one, it's like you have one athlete, but then you've got his whole support crew. And yeah. if we don't believe that they love him mm-hmm. enough to risk their lives, right? I mm-hmm. I and and to you know like at the end of the movie when they all stand up uh, to defend him. Mm-hmm. when he's in the stocks right like if you don't believe that the movie's not gonna work oh 100 right? so yeah. it, it is it's one of those things it's just got to come together but that's 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 good casting that's good directing right mm-hmm. and when i say directing i don't mean like the standing on the set and saying you stand there deliver your line put the camera over there not that part of directing but the part mm-hmm. of directing that is leadership right yeah um, which like, which not all we... directors are good at Right. Yeah, like what are we feeling in this scene? What's the yeah. point of the scene? Like where is everybody like currently in their heads and like emotionally? And yeah. they do that so well, so well in this one. Yeah. And I did want to talk about um like kind of where this comes from because I you mentioned the fact that it's a sports movie, but there's a reason why like love is so important, I think to the to the message of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the kind of where it comes from in terms of like what is the knight's tale like what is what is uh you know jeffrey chaucer's a knight's tale and why did we like why do we have chaucer in here and what's the point of the story and all of that so so yeah so can i get into it yeah yeah go for it Oh, yay. Okay. Exciting. So, so basically, uh, the, for those who don't know, and I'm sure you know, because like you mentioned earlier, you kind of studied this stuff in school. Uh, Chaucer is in the film as Jeffrey Chaucer, like it's his name, it's him. And we're kind of supposed to believe within the kind of this romanticized fantasy version, um, that Chaucer witnessed the story of William Thatcher and then went on to write, 
the prologue of the Canterbury Tales, which starts with the Knight's Tale. And I won't go too much into Canterbury Tales because it is kind of unrelated, but <laughs> there is this, uh, the story of like, you know, Chaucer and everything, not the story, but like his life. Like there was a time in which he kind of went missing. I guess the myth is that he went missing, but the truth is that he just kind of wandered around Europe for years. And there's like a lot of mystery as to what he was actually doing because he was a diplomat that was also a well-known author. He had done like a lot of different types of things for very powerful people and his history sort of pauses and he comes back to, to history and he gets married. And so like, there's all this, there's all this, you know, talk about what actually happened to him during that time. Um, and there's actually some good, I would say if you Google it, there's some good, uh, stuff out there that you can read about now we're able to kind of figure out where he went and how like how long it took him to get here and there and what he was actually doing but for a long time the myth is that he went missing Hmm. so but then he comes back you know and he writes Canterbury Tales he writes you know and then he later writes uh the prologue to Canterbury Tales which is a knight's tale and and or the knight's tale the knight's tale uh by Chaucer is a story essentially about courtly love and it is about knighthood it is about um kind of being trying to figure out who you want to be under the pressures of what you know what society is like put putting on to you you know it starts out or not starts out but like there's a time when the two main characters are in prison and there are a bunch of like there's a lot of metaphor going on with that. They both fall in love with this woman while they're in prison. They see her from, from their cells. So this all goes on and on. And I'll just say, I'm not going to like summarize the tale. Cause it's, unless you want to, <laughs> No, <laughs> but no, it's, okay. it's just like, it, it's about from, you know, from everything I've read and from kind of just diving into it again recently, It is going back to this idea of like how love before the troubadour, like love before this time period and in the West, specifically in the West, was known to be like Eros. And Eros, you know, like the god, it was this zeal for to to touch someone, to be with someone sexually, right? So there was Mm -hmm. this that that's what people kind of saw what love was they didn't have a way to explain the partnership the courtship that wasn't really talked about even though maybe that did exist no one it it did it wasn't an ideal so when the troubadours came along they began to sing about love as more than just the zeal to touch someone it's more than just lust it's about a partnership and it's about finding this like one-to-one like soul-to-soul uh, need and I think I think I have some things from um, Campbell. Well, Campbell talks about it a lot, and I've kind of just fa- I find myself summarizing what he says all the time. But he very much romanticizes the troubadour, and he talks about it as like this is also it's not just about love; it's also kind of the state at the time was the church would control who married who, especially in kind of the nobility. Mm. So 
if you were seeking romantic love, you were kind of going above the church. You're putting yourself above the church and you're putting yourself essentially above God if you want to go further than that because you're saying that your own experience and your own needs and wants and desires are more important than the church. And in the in A Knight's Tale, in, in the movie, there's a moment where there's a moment where uh, William says that Jocelyn is now his rosary or he, he'll say his rosary to Jocelyn and no one else. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Alan's character says, you know, William, that's that's blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it that's the point of the original tale, essentially, is that mm-hmm. we're trying to move beyond what is wanted of us, what is expected of us. Uh, because we need to recognize that like our own needs and desires are not just within the flesh. They're also within the spirit and within the soul. And we, you know, we're, we're hungry for a partner and that's, that was new. That was kind of like revolutionary as an ideal at that time. So if I don't yeah. know if you want to add anything to the, um, to Canterbury mm-hmm. tales, cause it's just so interesting. It's such a weird thing yeah well i i I think um i i because chaucer to me is kind of almost like like a flip side of of shakespeare right was where where shakespeare Mm -hmm. was sort of the more like um like the pop culture shakespeare was the mcu star wars of the day right like (laughs) like that that was sort of like like he was like the populist (laughs) i i i like the, the the cool guy everybody loved all of his stuff right that's um, yeah yeah and yeah. and and his stuff had a tendency to lean a little bit more into the grandiose and and this flair for the dramatic but then chaucer on the flip side especially with the canterbury's tale stuff and 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 he even he has the line uh, at towards the end of the movie of like all life is within the artist's scope or whatever he says um mm-hmm. And it like that's Canterbury's tale is very much like about taking uh, I like sort of these well-known archetypes and then breaking things down and going like, but, but, but what are we as people? Right. Yeah. And is a, is a little bit more of the introspection that I think like, like Shakespeare is the other side of that where Shakespeare is much more of the like, Hey, look at this big production. Right. Like, yeah. And, and they're often talking about the same sort of stuff. Yep. But they're just approaching it from these two completely different perspectives. And so like it's it's funny to me that like that that line about like like Will, that's blasphemous, right? And like the, the <laughs> delivery of it is so perfect. Because to to Alan Tudyk's characters, like that you couldn't you couldn't possibly do anything worse than blaspheme against God, right? Because he's a he's he's the simplest of the group, right? So he's yes. he's got a lot built into that that uh, that church sort of hierarchy thing right yeah um, and but, and I think but it, it it shows it shows just how well written the 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 whole movie is that mm-hmm. that what everything that you just talked about is distilled into a single moment in the in oh the movie, it is right but it's yeah. there like and and so it's not just that the chaucer thing or the period or the fact that it's a knight's tale from the knight's tale sort of thing like that that evolution mm-hmm. this it's not just a gimmick it's not just like a like a oh cool i have an idea for a story but mm-hmm. it is actually like like there is a respect and a reverence for um for that source material even though oh, it strays yeah. very far from the source material oh um, yeah 
and tells its yeah. own story. But but it is of this. It's cut of the same cloth, right? It is cut of the same cloth. They wouldn't have had if if this wasn't if they weren't trying to make the messaging at least somewhat of the same type of thing. Like they would not have. They would have leaned more on the. Um, I think the jousting stuff and the yeah. and the sports stuff like that. That's just framing for what's actually going on and and they don't even focus on the love story i would say that much i would say mm-hmm. it's probably a third of the the full picture but that one third is so important and on top of that they bring in everyone's love story they they mm-hmm. have that scene with him writing the letter where each one of them is putting in their own poetry um and that's something i wanted to to mention too because uh the idea like that's a true but that's a hundred percent this is troubadour courtship poetry songwriting uh the idea that love is so mysterious that it makes us say things we did not have in our vocabulary mm-hmm. right and that's exactly what will is doing he starts saying things and he's like i don't know where this is coming from and then and then his friends help him write a help him write a a a note to her a poem to her and it's not 100% coming from him but it's also beautiful in that it's saying that love is the same no matter what your kind mm-hmm. of experience is like we all feel it and that's the that's how we can kind of understand each other is through our experiences in love so but then later, uh, you know, what is it that he says? Uh, so, <laughs> so there's this, uh, there's this part too. I wanted to mention this because I, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of like all over the place, but it's no, no, it's all good. it's all related, right? So there's a uh, because the the love the love part the part about like writing poetry and kind of going off of this instinctual feeling is about also about finding yourself like figuring out who you are and it's also connected to going over the church because you don't have to fall in love in order to recognize that you are an individual who has power and who can rise above you know institutions that will otherwise you know put you down like you don't have to have love but you have to have love for yourself, right? You have to have love for other people. Like it's still based in love. It might not necessarily mm. be based in romantic love. But the idea of this, like where it came from in the history of the troubadour is that ro- romantic love was incredibly powerful because it was weird and it was mysterious and nobody understood it. Like people could understand like wanting to take care of your fellow human but to like want to die for someone because you love them, that was something that was not, you know, that was not an ideal. And to go above, like I said, to go above the church, and that this is all just a story about figuring out who you are and understanding your inner power and understanding that like you don't have to do what is expected of you. You can become your own person and you can find your own path. And, you know, to Campbell's words, you can find your bliss, right? Find your bliss and live it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's such an interesting thing in the way that they did that because they do it throughout the movie and it's consistent. 
it's very, very consistent and it has a purpose and it all goes back to kind of that, um, that original messaging from the original story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think it's um, like one of the things that's most powerful for me in the story is, is when everything kind of comes full circle, these things that were um, I laid so early in the movie that by the time that we get there at the end, we've actually forgotten about James Purefoy uh, about, uh, about <laughs> Prince Edward, right? Like yep. <laughs> we, it, it happens the the structurally the way that the movie is written is actually really interesting because mm-hmm. you get to a certain point like that first tournament actually has its own three act structure yes but it but it all happens in like the first act of the film mm-hmm. so it's like like there's almost like a movie inside the movie and in that we have the whole interaction with Prince Edward and the the and and him having that thing of like you knew who I was but you you wrote anyways and mm-hmm. and. And and Edward measuring Will and seeing who he is, understanding instantly what kind of a man he is. It's like oh, you, you like it's not in with me to withdraw, and then he's me either sort of thing. Right. And then on the flip side of it, you've got Mark Addy's character. Or sorry, not Mark Addy char- uh, character. Uh, the the um, Adamar. Count- Adamar, yeah. Count Adamar, who's the opposite, who is so blinded by his own hubris, his own pride, mm-hmm. um, and his own like he's so rotten to the core that he only sees uh will as as a nemesis and and fails to see what's so what's so powerful about him yep and then at the end of the movie will's actions of not running Mm -hmm. even though everybody around him says like like we love you we will go with you like you you don't have to be alone we'll all turn our backs on everything in order to protect you which is what we've learned through the whole movie but for him to then say like he, he they almost have him and then he turns and it's this inner conflict that's more powerful than any other conflict in the entire story yeah where he turns and he goes no i won't run mm-hmm. and 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 um and jocelyn is like damn your pride and it's like but it's not it's not pride in the way that it is for adamar where mm-hmm. it's pride born of hubris for for will it's pride born of of this this like this altruistic sense of right and wrong right yeah Um, and the fact that he's like he's figured out who he really is and he's not afraid to hide anymore (laughs) and he's kind of and he keeps saying i'm a knight he keeps saying that during that whole scene exactly and then prince edward showing up when he's in the stocks and everything um dramatically uh it's just mm-hmm. fashion fashionably late with that beautiful coat that he's got i love it so much <laughs> um yep. that's where the anachronisms in this and like the the historical inaccuracy works so well is in the costume design it's just like because oh, you yeah. just you instantly recognize like oh he's better than everybody else here i <laughs> i and 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 he stands up in front of everybody and he's like he's like hey my personal historians have discovered that this guy's a knight yeah who wants to argue with me like i say he's a knight therefore he is um and so like the outside matches the in finally and it's like all of that sort of thing yeah which is also i always took it as that he was saying like we all essentially can become knights and we all essentially have this in our blood because we all come from the same bloodline right like all human beings you know we all come from the same blood And, and that's you know it's powerful it's powerful to say that you know, you can do whatever you want. And there is a, there is a little bit of a capitalism, like understructure, like under all mm. of this, which is, you know, problematic in some ways and not in other <laughs> ways, but you know, in yeah, there's a bit of, of a bootstrap message that doesn't, yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> exactly, that, yeah. but, it, but it's also, again, if we look at the, 
kind of origins of the story and where it's coming from, this was revolutionary. This was powerful for people mm -hmm. back then because to say that you can live your life the way that you want to, not how the state is telling you, not how the church is telling you, that was different. That was that was a new ideal. And to to pull it to the mainstream, like I said before, like of course people married for love before the troubadour existed. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but the thing about you know that Campbell talks about a lot too is that the troubadours romanticized it. They they didn't just they didn't just talk about it. Like I read, people would talk about it, sure, but they they romanticized it. They put it into words. Mm -hmm. They gave it a zeal that didn't have before, and and they made people want that. They made people idealize it when they hadn't really done that before yeah. in, in the mainstream. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, b before that period in time, um, mm -hmm. when we think about poetry, we go back to to. Um, I mean, like if you go back to the Bible, the po poetry is the Psalms, which is all about God, right? Yeah. Or, or you go back to to uh, like the Homeric stuff, right? And you're talking mm -hmm. about like again, mostly about gods, but about heroes and and yeah. um, uh, you know, like the Iliad and the Odyssey and stuff like that, right? Like that's mm -hmm. that's what poetry was. And then and then yeah, sort of in this period, this the poetry becomes something different, and 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 yep. that romance stuff starts to come in. Um, well, there's in, the in reference to love, right? And there, because there's the scene in, in the Night's Tale where you know she's in the church and he mm -hmm. had followed her into the church on, on his horse because he was just <laughs> so enticed with her. Yeah. And but then you know the the priest is like, "You desecrate the house of God," and like he is he is saying that like Jocelyn's beauty is such a curse. It's such a curse to be beautiful, um, and all this, and yeah. it's kind of like setting this tone of the fact that you know the church does kind of control these things on this level but people are starting to people are starting to um laugh at them a little bit just like yeah. jocelyn was laughing at them and and she also points out the priest's like hypocrisy in that scene like when he was like oh pray that you will grow less beautiful in your old age and she was like yes yes of course i will and then he hands out his hand for her to kiss and he's got this beautiful like you know gem encrusted ring on his finger and she's like yeah. oh that's lovely because of course priests also see the beauty in material things yeah. because like of course they do and and there is there's a hypocrisy there in terms of like wealth and beauty but then there's also you know the notion that beauty is beauty is something that we should all like learn to see and we should all like acknowledge like it, again going back to the romanticism the courtly love and all of that that's where that all is coming from and that's kind of the underlying idea i think uh it's all wrapped up in like metaphors so i think it's funny i was watching it this morning and i was like wait a second i'd always seen it as kind of the shallow thing but you could see more metaphor in it because of where it comes from and because of what they're drawing from, because authors can find things in the text, um, you know, without intention, without intending to, mm -hmm. just because they are pulling from somewhere else. I've talked about this a lot with Star Wars, right? Like if you're, if you're writing, if you're writing a new Star Wars, you have to acknowledge the Star Wars that came before and you could be writing a totally different story, like with Andor, a totally different story, new characters, new planets, or whatever. 
but you're still writing Star Wars. And so you're pulling themes, you're pulling strings from other things that give the message in the current work more meaning than they otherwise would have had. Mm-hmm. It's like layers. It's layers of meaning. Yeah. And that's what's happening in A Knight's Tale is you have layers of meaning because of the previous work that exists. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I think like like is similar to Star Wars going back to the source material um is is usually the best path rather than rather than trying to cuz cuz I, I like in this time period you know like uh, uh, t- the time period that the movie was made that yeah. ice tale was made i uh, to look at other um i uh, either other like medieval type stories that are being told and try and replicate that or to look at other sort of romantic comedy stories and try and replicate that instead of instead of what what's done here which is that like and that's why the movie persists i think is mm-hmm. that like it does it does have this source material that it draws from that gives it a very solid foundation right exactly and, and with star wars it's very similar to me it's like the the ones that stand out the ones that that last the longest in our psyche i think are the ones that don't try and make another star war but that mm-hmm. go back to the things that inspired George Lucas to tell stories. And, you know, I, I would say exactly. like even Indiana Jones, right? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even though that's you've got George and you've got Stephen and you've got Harrison, you have all <laughs> of the pieces together. But instead of making another one of those types of movies, they tried to or, sorry, another one of the, the movie. When I say those types of movies, I'm mm-hmm. talking about like instead of going back to the pulp serial adventure stuff, they tried to make a new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Um, and they tried to pull in new source material with that stuff. But I think that 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 inclination to go back and try and recapture the magic, the lightning in a bottle that was those those first three movies, mm-hmm. especially, I think, like the first movie, that's where it falls short. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it never quite gets there, even yeah. though all of the pieces are right. All of everything's in place, but something doesn't work. And it's because the 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 inspiration is off. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you have to be pulling from the core themes and the core, like, what, how did it make you feel? And if you can't bring that to your creation, then it's going to fall short every time because you're trying to make other people feel a certain way. And that's not what you should, I, well, (laughs) that's my personal belief. I, I have only ever written fan fiction and, (laughs) and, you know, just like fic here and there, but like, you know, I, I truly think that that's where it comes from because that's what I've been taught from you know, the masters, yep. people that I've read from and whatnot. And yep. and if you read a lot of like mythology and fairy tales, you know the stuff that sticks and you know the stuff that you see in other stories. And there is like kind of this uh, mythological like shorthand that denotes what something is. People just get it. People get it when you are pulling from sim- symbolism or metaphor from a certain fairy tale because they know the fairy tale. They just, they automatically get what you're trying to do. Right. So it's, I don't know. It's interesting. A Knight's Tale, (laughs) A Knight's Tale is so funny because they decided to, they decided to do something that's risky, but they're keeping it within the realm of the classic storyline. And, I think that, and like, I don't know exactly kind of the discussions that happen. I know that there is a director's commentary out there that I have not watched, but mm-hmm. um, it does exist. I did find that out, but uh, but I know that there had to have been some idea of, you know, 
this is how I feel when I think about these types of stories and this mm-hmm. is what I want this is how I want to put it in here and as opposed to thinking about well I think people are going to like this so there therefore I should put it in this movie you know so and there's there was some of that with Heath Ledger but the story I think is very pure and very classic and very thoughtful so yeah. and I and I wanted to um I wanted to talk about uh, some of the other themes too, because I, I think you know I keep coming back to courtly love, which that is kind of the main thing, obviously. But there's also this theme of the pain of life and the constant ups and downs of of life, and it's you know love and turmoil and tragedy, and it's but it still retains. Uh, you know, it's comedic uh, mm-hmm. air about it because Will finally goes home and like he has, you know, he has Jocelyn as this romantic figure in his life and he's very happy and he has, he has his fame and his fortune. And then he goes home and he finds that his father is blind and living in poverty. Um, and even then it gets worse, right? It keeps getting worse. It keeps getting yeah. worse. And it's not until he gets his title that he sees a hope and he sees like a future, but it doesn't like, not everything is like fixed. <laughs> and I think that something so fun about these types of stories, like the, and I, I, I mean, not to compare it to Moulin Rouge necessarily, but it is interesting because Moulin Rouge ends as a, it ends as a tragedy, but it's like a, it's a very much a romance, and the the messaging is the same, even though they end differently. The messaging is like about this, like the pain of life and the pain of love, and the the hopelessness that. If you do give in to, if you do give in to kind of the cycle of life and like with all of its craziness, you're gonna get hurt and you're going to, it's going to be painful. Um, I think that's something that's like that really is touching for me personally, because things are hard, you know. Mm-hmm. So to have that message in there, to kind of be able to revisit it all the time, and to see like this lovely ending it's just so touching it's so wonderful you know when will says like i'm not gonna run i'm going to stand up i'm going to be myself and i'm i'm gonna shed my armor right and all that like that's he's saying this is who i am and i'm gonna if if i'm gonna die for it then i will because i you know and of course that's the message is not that we must do that the the message is that we should jump into life head first and we should mm-hmm. be who we are and not be ashamed for it and you know lo- <laughs> yolo <laughs> i mean yeah. it is right it's kind of yeah, a yeah. yolo message well but- it's it's and this this is why i always come back to the fact that this is a sports movie right because the the cliche <laughs> of it uh and and you know sometimes cliches uh and this is this is very similar of archetypes right it's like people people go or or when people use the word trope when what they mean is archetype um, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to be derogatory towards, towards these ideas, (laughs) cliches become cliches for a reason. 
And the cliche in this movie is a sport movie cliche. It's the same as Rocky, Karate Kid. I mean, those are the same movies, so whatever. But the Mighty Ducks, right? <laughs> like what? Like pick your sports movies. I just named the other four, in, like in my in my top five sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's it's triumph of the human spirit, right? Like that's right. and we say that, and it sounds corny and hokey to say that out loud. But in reality, like like the reason why that is meaningful in the context of a story like this is because it's meaningful in the context yeah. of a story like this. Yeah. Right. So like like the cliche exists for a reason. And it's because it is something that I think in our core, every one of us wants mm-hmm. to experience at some point in our life. Right. Where that indomitable spirit wells up and we are able to reach beyond what everybody says we're capable of doing, right? Like that's just, yeah. that's just a human compulsion and sports movies are a really great way to do it. Cause they put it in this great framing device and they put points up on the scoreboard that we can follow. So it, it just, that's it true. makes it, it makes it really easy to translate mm-hmm. that feeling. It's almost in the same way that we use poetry to express love because love is this thing of like, it's this deep feeling mm-hmm. in our core that doesn't have words, right? Yeah. It's, it's not from that part of our brain. Um, and so we mm-hmm. use poetry and we use metaphor and imagery to try and express to somebody what that means, right? And it's, oh, and, yeah. and, and that sport analogy does the same thing for, um, I mean, like his name is Will, right? And, mm-hmm. and the, and the, 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 I think the clever thing in naming him William is, and everybody calls him Will, mm-hmm. is that like his his defining characteristic is his will. It's his willpower, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's his, his strength of conviction of character that he sees it through all the mm-hmm. way, no matter what. And like you talk about that pain of life mm-hmm. and that I think like I think you do you get right at the message of the movie, which is that like. Yeah, there are always going to be people on top of you, mm-hmm. above you. It, and it doesn't matter how much you get, how much you attain, how much wealth you collect. There's mm-hmm. always going to be something on top of you making life difficult. Yeah. And it's it's a matter of sort of almost stepping aside that pain mm-hmm. and pursuing the things that will bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. In in spite of the fact that the world wants to kill you, right? Like yeah. everything wants to kill you, but yeah. but that's what makes life worth living. Is that in spite of that, we find joy in all of these things, whether it's our friendships or our our career or love, whatever. Right? It's all there. Yeah, I think that's a lovely way to put it. I think um, C- Campbell tells a a story that I think is kind of parallel to what you're saying too. Is like, um high stakes right high stakes stuff like sports give us give us like high stakes but they're also low stakes because no one's like getting killed (laughs) but in this story you do have the element of life or death and you know and 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 a potential sacrifice thank god it doesn't go there but you know that is on the table Mm -hmm. and campbell talks about how there was um true story there's a man who's on a bridge that wants to jump and an officer an officer sees him comes by and stops and just as he stops the car the guy starts to go over the edge and the cop by instinct gets out and starts running towards him and grabs him just as he's going over the side without 
holding on to anything. Like he just grabs him and he very well could have tumbled over with him, except for the fact that I guess his like the way that he was the way that he was on the side of the thing, his body did catch most of the weight over the side and the guy was able to grab and kind of climb up. And what Campbell finds interesting about the story is that when he was asked, why did he grab onto the man the way that he did? He said that he could not live with himself if he didn't go over with him. Hmm. And he literally put it that way. He said, I couldn't, I could not, I could not live my life without, you know, with knowing that I had let him go. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to go with him. And that's the part of the human spirit that is so instinctually like reaching out to connect with people so much so that you would die with them. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's putting, it's like, it's literally allowing yourself to dive into life, like I said, with all of its pain and all of its misery, and then also giving into the idea of death, right? Mm -hmm. Because in accepting life, we also have to accept death. And when you're able to experience that, it does, I think, I mean, I haven't experienced it, but I know that, you know, from reading stuff, it's like, it, it opens your mind to the possibility of it and puts you in a position where you recognize that life is so precious and reaching out to other people and formulating a community and having relationships with other people, romantic or not, are incredibly important to the human experience. So to do that and to do that above what others expect of you and what others want of you and to find it for yourself, that's, I truly believe like that's, the power that is within all of us. And that's, that's the power that we need to find through storytelling. It's the Mm -hmm. power that we need to find through connecting with people. I just think that that's very um, important. Essentially. (laughs) Awesome. I, 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 I think, I think that's a, that's a perfect button. Uh, on the whole thing. Um, what is that? We kind of, the format is kind of to get into the personal connection, but I think that we kind of already, we've already kind of circled around that stuff a lot while, while, yeah. while having this conversation. So I think we're good on that front. Um, awesome. And, 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 you know, like I could, I could talk to you for another hour about this probably. I, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but we will wrap it up. Um, cool. Cause both of us have lives to get back to. We can't just, can't just sit around talking about Heath Ledger movies uh, all day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this inspired me to, I potentially am going to do like a comparison of like Moulin Rouge and, uh, a Knight's Tale just for funsies in like a video format. I'm thinking I'm going to try to start writing that because I, I really like this one. This is a fantastic. fun one. Yeah. Um, that would be, that'd be awesome. That, that, you know what, like that would be a, like a, a, a dream I didn't know that I had come true, which is <laughs> that, that something that I did would inspire you to go make one of your uh, excellent video essays. I, <laughs> speaking of which, let everybody know where they can, where they can find you. Uh, sure. And, and more of your great content. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My channel is uh, Wit and Folly. My Twitter handle there is um, at wit at <laughs> at Wit underscore Folly. I think, I think um, right. <laughs> it's been so long since I've said it. Um, and then my Twitter handle, my personal Twitter handle, is at Black uh, underscore T Y M. 
Yeah. Boy, is that it? Like, <laughs> yeah, should that's I it. double check? Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, and then, I, like I said before, you can also find me on YouTube at Wit and Folly. I make a lot of videos mm-hmm. uh, about this kind of stuff. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really had fun. This is great. Oh, I, I, it was absolutely my pleasure. And we have a we have a list of other things that that, that you that you mentioned to to do perfect tens for. So you know, we'll have you back. <laughs> you'll, you'll be back. You'll be back. We'll do this again. Um, once I once once I exhaust everybody else that wants to that wants to talk about stuff, I'll circle back around and so and like twenty twenty three. We'll see. Cool. We'll, we'll see how long it, it it takes me to to uh, work through all of my 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 friends. Uh, awesome get them all annoyed with me um, i love it excellent uh thank you so much for being on thank you so much for talking about uh, a knight's tale with us and uh I, yeah i everybody go subscribe to wit and folly i uh, if you like any of the stuff that i talk about when especially hey uh if you listen to the star wars podcast that i do and you're ever like huh that's interesting anything interesting that i've said in the last two years almost three years now uh <laughs> on any of the star wars podcasts i have just i'm just paraphrasing poorly paraphrasing something that either ty or marie claire has said so go <laughs> go watch all of ty's amazing videos on star wars um oh, and then thanks. and then everything else that that she's done as well because it's all so so good uh and then of course obviously also as i said on the last episode and i say all the time go subscribe to what the force um what do you what do you do how why do i have to keep saying this it's 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 exhausting at this point um (laughs) uh but yeah uh that was awesome thank you so much uh and thank you to everybody for listening and supporting us on patreon uh and uh and we'll be back we'll be back i uh, next week will be an off the record with me for Patreon uh, subscribers. That's exclusive over at patreon.com slash thunderquack. And then the week after that, we should be back with a uh, force perspectives. Although I'm on vacation that weekend, I don't know exactly when that episode's going to release. It'll release sometime the week that it's supposed to, but maybe not on the Tuesday might be a little bit difficult for me to manage, but um, just giving you guys the heads up on that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I've, I've already got, we've got two perfect tens, uh, planned for, for, uh, the, like the next little bit, uh, you guys will get another one at some point before the end of October, uh, which will be the perfect 10, uh, Halloween, uh, uh, episode, uh, which I am relying on everybody listening to email us, uh, network at gmail.com. Uh, or hit hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or, or any of those social medias um, and let me know what your perfect 10 Halloween movies are. Um, and then that episode is going to be all of me just reading your guys's thoughts on, on your perfect 10 Halloween movies, uh, whether it's something scary or something silly. Mine is personally Ernest Scared Stupid, uh, which was just a staple in my house uh, at Halloween. So um, look forward to that before the end of the month. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we've got some great guests and some great topics lined up for uh, for November and December coming up. So uh, look forward to all that stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ty, for being here. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderquackPod, on Instagram at ThunderquackPodcast, on Facebook at ThunderQuack, and join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord. 
Support the podcast by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect 10 pop quiz. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.